0: We're going to look first tonight at a passage in 2 Samuel about our friend David, page 244 in your pew Bibles. 2 Samuel 5, we'll be reading verses 6 through 10, and then keep your Bibles out, because we'll be flipping to a New Testament passage shortly. 2 Samuel 5, page 244 beginning to read at verse 6. The king, that is, David, and his men marched to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who said to David, You will not come in here. Even the blind and the lame will turn you back, thinking, David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, which is now the city of David. David had said on that day, whoever would strike down the Jebusites, let him get up the water shaft to attack the lame and the blind, those whom David hates. Therefore, it is said, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. David occupied the stronghold and named it the city of David. David built the city all around from the Milo, that is the terraced um, way up. So it was built on a ridge. There was a terrace up. This is the word that means terraced garden. All the way from Milo inward And David became greater and greater, for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. This is the word of the Lord. So what is happening here? Well, David has just been anointed king of not just Israel, but now Judah together. So he is the king of all the land, and what a king needs next is a capital city. He needs a place to put his throne. He needs a place that's neutral and strategic, and Jerusalem fits the bill. It's located between Judah and Benjamin. It's just a couple of miles from Bethlehem, which is home for David. So this will work perfectly. And Jerusalem has two things that have made it a hard to conquer city in the years past. It has a fresh supply of water, and it is easily defended. And this is why the Jebusites are like, yeah, you're not gonna get up in here. Even our blind people are gonna be able to beat you, David. This is like Bible Times trash talk, right? (laughs) Jerusalem is so easily defended, my grandmother could do it. That's what they're trying to say here. Okay? That's the idea. Like, no one we're up on a ridge, we're small, we have seriously, they had a ten foot thick wall. They were like, Yeah, good luck, David. David says, Oh really? Because we've scouted you, and we know you have a weak spot. And it's that water supply. And that's why he says, whoever's going to hit the Jebusites, go up through the water supply. And by water supply, there we mean sewer. Think Shawshank Redemption, for those of you who've seen that. that Yeah, there you go. Now you know what I'm talking about. Okay. So they knew that it had an Achilles' heel. They knew that it had a weak spot. And the job of a ruler, the job of a warrior, the job of a king is to figure out the enemy's weak spot and exploit it. So scholars believe that David and his men figured out how to get in through the water supply, going up through the sewer lines, and the Jebusites had nothing. They had no way to defend. Because this is what a king does. The king figures out a weak spot and exploits it. A king does not show mercy. A king goes in and gets what a king wants. You're lame and you're blind people? Yeah, they're kind of in my way. I'm the king. That's David. Show no mercy. This week, you may have heard about Alec Baldwin. He had this little incident about a plane. He was playing a game on his smartphone. Alec Baldwin, he's the guy in Thirty Rock, Jack Donaghy, right? I know too much about that. Um, <laughs> he's playing a game on his smartphone. He's on the plane. The stewardess says, uh, flight attendant says, um, sir, could you turn that off? Because we're ready to fly To go now. He's like, um, no. He's playing the game. He's playing the game. Flight attendant, you got to turn it off. I'm not going to turn it off. Blah blah. blah. They kick him off the plane. He throws a big fit. Big fit. Big, big fit. Tweets his fit all over America. Tweets a big fit. Because when you're the king, you should be able to get whatever you want whenever you want it. You should be able to just keep 150 other people waiting so you can finish your game on your smartphone. Because that's what it means to be the king in our society. And more than that, it means that you go on Saturday Night Live last night And make fun of yourself by acting as if you are the pilot on the plane, apologizing to you. Because when you're the king, you can do that. It's all about spin, people. Yes, I may have looked like a jerk on Tuesday, but I was funny on Saturday. What are you going to remember? Show no mercy. Exploit. Weakness. The people who watch the political process tell us that 2012 is going to be a fascinating year. They say that with the changes in financial structure, people are going to be able to buy, and by people I mean candidates and PACs and things like this, are going to be able to buy a lot more airtime than they used to, which means a lot more political ads. <laughs> and it means that people are going to go dirty, ugly, early. They're gonna take the gloves off early. They're gonna throw down the negative campaigning early because all of these packs are governed by different rules. They don't have to show any mercy to anybody. They don't have to be nice to anybody because that's how you become king, or in this case, president. That's how you become the ruler. That's, because that's how you become powerful. Not by showing mercy, by finding someone's weakness and exploiting it. By taking their little sentence out of context and making it look horrible. By taking their record and making it look bad. And taking your record and making it look great. Show no mercy. You find someone's weakness, you exploit it. That's how you gain power. That's how you get control. Show no mercy mercy and for us sitting here this week some of us are thinking I need to do better than every other student in this class so that I can guarantee a spot in the nursing program I will do better than any other engineering student in this particular class so that I can get the scholarship. I will work harder than anybody else. I will show no mercy to them, and in turn, I will show no mercy to myself. I will work as hard as I need to work, because everything tells me that it's up to me, that I can do it. That if someone else has a weakness, I need to exploit it. If I've got a strength, I need to celebrate it. It's all up to me. And this gets us right on the bus to crazy town. (laughs) Because then we start to think things like, if I don't do well on this particular final, my future is compromised. The rest of my life is ruined. If I cannot remember the declining way to do this Spanish stuff, I don't, declensions, what are they, don't, no, I will remember, because I will succeed. I will remember the Chinese characters, I will remember the formulas, I will remember the theorems, I will remember the dates and the days and the times and the names, I will remember it all. I will succeed. (laughs) And we get on the bus to crazy town and we ride it all the way there. And we start to apply that to other areas of our life. If I only lose seven pounds, more people will love me. Oh, that bus goes all the way to that crazy town, too. And then we apply it to our spiritual lives. If I just work a little bit harder, God will love me more. I will go to chapel every day during interim. I will crush you. (laughs) We get on the bus to crazy town. And we think I need to exploit everyone else's weaknesses and there's no way I can show my own. Because if I show my weakness, someone else will exploit it. If I go to a tutor, I better not tell anybody. If I drop a class, no one's going to know. If I have an addiction problem, I'm not even going to go to an anonymous group about it my parents' marriage is hurting I'm not telling anybody because the way to get power and the way to rule is to pretend you have no weakness and to take advantage of everyone else's this is how you become king unless less. Matthew 21. Page 802. Matthew 21. Be reading verses 1 through 17, and every now and then I'm going to need you to chip in, and you'll figure out when that is. When they, that is Jesus and his disciples, had come near Jerusalem, remember that city, And had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says to you, Just say this, the Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of... Look your is coming to you, humble, and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of Jesus and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer you were making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that Jesus did and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the... They became angry and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise for yourself? He left them, went out of the city to Bethany, and spent the night there. Hosanna to the son of David. Look, your king comes to you humble. Look, 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 your king comes comes to you humble. In the gospel of Matthew, the phrase son of David is paired most often with these two words, have mercy. In fact, in the story immediately preceding the one that we just read, the very end of chapter 20, you'll see that there's a story there about two blind men who come They hear that Jesus is walking by. And they said, Lord, have mercy, son of David. Have mercy, son of David. And this is the second time that this has happened in Matthew. It happened early on in Jesus' ministry. Two blind men come to him and say the same thing. Have mercy, son of David. Have mercy, son of David. Throughout the gospel of Matthew, the writer of the gospel, Matthew, the apostle, is saying, Jesus is the king, but he is a very different king. Jesus is king, but he's a very different king. And we have three incidences here in chapter 21 that point to the kind of king David is. First thing, he comes in on a colt, humble, riding on a donkey. That's the first thing he does. He doesn't come in on a war horse, doesn't come in in a chariot. He comes in on a donkey. And then the second thing he does is clear out the temple courts. And not just all the temple courts. Some of you know that there were were layers to the temple courts. And the outer layer was the layer that most people could get to. And then it got harder and harder to get in close to the presence of God. And it was this outer court called the court of the Gentiles where merchants had set up their booths. When you came from other countries and you came into the temple, you had to exchange your currency for currency that was used in the temple. And you had to buy, I mean, you did not want to schlep like two doves all the way from wherever you came, so you would buy them there at the temple. So the people who had power, the people who were able to get all the way into the inner courts, the Jewish men, the Jewish women, they had set it up so that those who needed to get to the inner courts had the easiest way through. Those Gentiles, that's not really a very important thing. So let's just set up our money-changing stall right here in their place. The blind and the lame, it's not really that important for them to get in because we all know we don't really want them in the middle. So let's just just put this all up right here. I mean, this will keep the riffraff out, you know what I mean? This, This makes a lot of sense. So Jesus comes in. And people are saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Save us, Son of David. Save us, Son of David. And the first thing he does is go into the temple courts and say, enough of this. My house will be called a house of prayer. And the rest of that quote from Isaiah is, of all nations. And a little bit farther in that chapter of Isaiah, it says, those of you who have been outcast will be outcast no more. Jesus has mercy on the people who most need mercy. Jesus has mercy on the people whose weaknesses are obvious. He doesn't move in and exploit. What does he do? Verse 14. Who comes to him? Who comes to Jesus? The blind and the lame. In the exact same spot, in the exact same location, in the very same place where David had stood up and said, I will exploit weakness, I will gain power. The blind and the lame are representatives of weakness and they are not welcome here. In that very same spot, as soon as Jesus clears out the way, they come to him because they know that this is a king who will not exploit their weakness but will heal it. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. And he does. He does. This king will not exploit your weakness, he will heal it. This king will heal this king has mercy whenever we are tempted to present ourselves as better than we are more holy more healthy more powerful more competent we are falling into that old pattern. We are falling into that old life that says, here in the community of faith, we only want the good-looking and the strong and the smart. The rest of you can stay home. It's when we gather in and say, I'm struggling with calculus. I'm addicted to pornography. My parents are driving me crazy. I have no idea what I'm gonna major in, and I'm gonna be a second semester junior. It's only when we reveal our weakness that Jesus Christ moves in. The blind and the lame came to Jesus because they saw in him someone who was safe, someone who knew them, someone who would not exploit them, someone who would heal everything that had kept them from the presence of God. What do you think the first thing they did was? They went into the temple courts. If they were Jewish men or Jewish women whose disability had kept them from God, as soon as he healed them, they were able to go places they had never gone before. Jesus, the son of David, had mercy on them and drew them into deeper relationship with God. Only after they presented their weakness. What's the weakness? Where's your sin? Where's the thing that you think, I can't tell anybody this? I can't talk about this with God. This is so embarrassing. Where's the chronic illness that clouds your thoughts all the time, making it really hard for the Holy Spirit to break in? Where do you need the Son of David to have mercy on you? Because what Jesus does for us tonight is what Jesus did in the temple courts. He says, This is not a table for perfect people. This is not a table for people who have their act together. The only people who are welcome at this table are sinners. The only people who are welcome at this table are people who do not have their act together, who are tired and hurting, people who are worried about their future, people who are stuck in sin and not even sure that they want to give it up. Jesus, son of David, has mercy on us. Because at the end of this week, when he cleaned out the temple, he went to the cross. And he took it all on our blindness, our lameness, both literal and metaphorical, all of your sin, he took it all on and died. So that this table is not a table of judgment, but a table of strength. It's not a table of sorrow, but a table of celebration. It is not a table of limits, but a table of love. That is this table for us tonight. Because on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after he blessed God, he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after he blessed God, he poured it and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, remember me. Will you pray with me?